0: Welcome to Salem vs. Selmy Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding in God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Okay, for all of you that are watching online, um, I'm filling in for Pastor Brian and Paula while they away. Um, I just felt I need to read this verse again in case you're not plugged in to Jesus because if you're not, then you're just sitting there. Now, I, we had two funerals this week at our church, and you can tell pretty quickly who's who. You look out at people just sitting there. They don't have a clue what you're saying. They look kind of scowl on their face at times. When the songs are being sung, they're sitting there. And then you can see the ones that are, they know what's happening because they have a relationship with Jesus. They're singing the songs, and they're all, they're all into it because they know what Jesus did for them. So, Here's what you need to do if you're on the outskirts looking in. Verse uh, 8, 9, and 10 of Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Now, I didn't write this. I'm just reading it to you, but I need to tell you I believe it. This is God's word. And, and God doesn't lie to us. He makes and keeps all his promises. If you will taste, you might be surprised. Now, I know this church has some people in it that like to eat. The only, the only reason I know that is because I've gone with you a few times up to Sight and Sound and gone with you to Shady Maple. All right? The problem with Shady Maple is you want to try everything because there's, there's so many selections, and yet you know if you do, you're going to be hurting later on. And they're going to take you out in a wheelbarrow. Oh, I can't walk. I ate too much. Shouldn't have that last piece of pie. Shouldn't have that whatever. Um, but you have tasted of the good food up there. I know you're going again, I think, in September to see David. My wife and I plan to go up uh, one of these times. It's a great, great um, ministry up there. Um, there 's so much good food at all those schmorders sh- boards up there, and of course there 's good food that you have right in your own home down here and local restaurants and so forth. The Lord has the best food and um, <clears throat> I say this, you 've probably heard it again, but it 's to me it's just one of the greatest illustrations. Because one day our granddaughter and we have five granddaughters i won 't name the name. One day our granddaughter was sitting at the table looking at something that her grandmom had made my wife, who 's a very good cook, and she goes, ooh what 's that?" Now, I've said this to people, and I, I'm not exaggerating. When I was growing up, if I ever sat down at the table and looked at something and said, ooh, what's that? I've been picking myself up off the floor. I'm just telling you, my dad was no nonsense. You'd be thankful you have food to eat, and, and we were, and Mom was a great cook. But there's times, you know, something's made, and you're like, what is that? And my wife said to her, she said, well, have you ever tasted it? No, but it just looks like, eh. You know how kids can be. You don't have any kids or grandkids like that. I know you don't. And my wife said, why don't you taste it? And she did. Well, how was it? it It was good. Not really like, yes, it was wonderful, because, you know, the kids don't want to admit that they were wrong. But it was good. I don't know what your background is for many of you. I know some of you from over the years. I don't know all the stuff you've been through in life. But if you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you have a bad view of God or Jesus, because something might have happened in your life that made you upset, maybe some Christian did something, some church, or something happened in your life, God didn't answer prayer, so forth. You need a taste, and you'll see that the Lord's good. Don't listen to everybody else and everybody else's opinion. You get plugged into Jesus, and you'll see that the Lord, he is good. Blessed is the man, the woman, teenager, child that trusts in him, Take that from God's Word, Psalm 34, 8. Don't take it from me. I'm just a messenger. I, I believe what God has written here, and I believe that he loves us, and um, he has good things for us all through life. In victory or loss, I, I was reading those ver- words as we were singing them, and um, he's with us in everything. So today's a special day for my wife and I, and it will go right along with our sermon, Faith That's Firm. Uh, we'll be looking at James chapter 1 and some other passages. And is there a clock in here? No? Wow. Oh, but I know you're all carrying one of these. I, I, look, I know it. And I know you have it, you know, on your wrist or whatever. So I just, I'm just going to put that out there so I don't go way overboard um, <clears throat> and try to stay within time limits here. But uh, today my wife and I celebrate 51 years of wedded bliss. And um, <clears throat> never, never, ever had an argument. We've had some warm disagreements. Now, I say that to say this to you, that when we repeated vows, and I know that there's people that write their own vows and things have changed a lot, whatever. We we repeated vows similar to this. I take you, Linda, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health till death do us part. Now, I know we have a, a new couple over here, not married very long. They're still in their honeymoon, Tim and Kayla over here, you know. And I don't know what your vows were, but, but those were vows that we took. And um, unfortunately, what happens in marriage is that some people forget the other side of those vows. It's always for better, for richer, and in health. And kind of think that the sickness would never come the poorer would never come, or the worse would never come. Are you all with me this morning? So whether you've been married or never married, or you've been married, you're a widow, widower, um, <clears throat> those are the kind of vows that we take. And when I think of those vows, I think of how we should make our vows to Jesus. I take you, Jesus, for better or for worse. I take you for richer or for poorer. I take you in sickness and health, which means no matter what happens in my life, Jesus, I'm holding on to you and I'm not letting go. You're the only one. We sang about it. We worshiped. He is the only one. He's the only one who's going to help us make it through. And one day, hallelujah, He's going to welcome us home to glory. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place, I'm coming back and I'm going to take you where I am. And uh, we sang for years growing up. I've got a mansion over the hilltop when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be, and what a day that'll be when my Jesus, I shall see. We sing all kinds. There's all kinds of songs in psalm song books and new songs that are written about heaven. So we know our eternal destination if we keep holding on to Jesus. My concern today, as I deliver this message, is will we hold on to Jesus through thick and thin, through loss and victory? And um, <clears throat> someone said in the foyer, I was filling in for um, Pastor. Um, what was that phrase that you used, Tim? Um, uh, I'm not like the substitute, the rookie, the whatever. Well, there was a story told of a young man that got up to preach one Sunday and he was filling in for a preacher. And I might have told this story, so if I did, just close your ears. But um, <clears throat> he said to him, he said, You know, he said, sometimes in life, you know, you get a broken window and you can't replace it right away with a pane. So you just put a piece of cardboard in there. And um, later on, you replace it. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm kind of like that this morning. He says, I'm, I'm the substitute for your pastor. And after he was done preaching, someone come up and said, you weren't a substitute. You were a real pain. <laughs> Did you catch that? It's okay, I just make sure you're all awake. <clears throat> now, here's the good news about guest speakers. You don't have to invite them back. <laughs> Yeah, we're never having that guy again. That's okay. He was here once. I was... Anyway, for those of you that heard me before and you're here again, God bless you. Um, it's good to see you all, and uh, we, have, we have great times again in fellowship. So I'm going to read here the first 12 verses, and if you have your Bible with you, your phone, you can open it up, or it might be on the screen. I didn't give the people. Yeah, you know, I gave the verses to Loretta, but James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man... Who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Lord Jesus, as we look at this passage of scripture and some others this morning, just make these words real to our heart, Lord. These are words that you inspired men to write down. It comes from your hand, Lord. And it's not something we can just take or leave like someone's book we may pick up and read, or we might hear someone spouting off a philosophy on TV or whatever. This is your word, and your word is truth. We can live our life by your word, and you will judge us by your word. So open our hearts to receive your word today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. James is talking to all the tribes of Israel. He addresses himself as a servant of God. He wants them to know he's not above them. And we want you to know, no matter what our title is, I may have a title of a, a minister. Some said, well, what are you now? Um, I said, I'm not a pastor, because a pastor is a person who stays and shepherds their church. But I'm, I'm a minister. I'm, I'm a, like an evangelist. When I come, I still have my credentials with the Assemblies of God, but I'm not pastoring a church. So I'm not a shepherd in that sense of watching over and being with you through thick and thin. But I'm here just to encourage and, and, and support you. And... Um, Pass along blessings and um, support Pastor Brian and Paul on what they're doing. So I'm just a servant of God. I'm no one special. Each one of you here except accepted Jesus, you're servants of God. Amen? And you all have work to do. I want you to understand it. you all have work to do. We all have work to do. None of us are more important to God than others. Do what God's called you to do. Be a part of the puzzle. And our Pastor AJ, uh, first AJ in Carnage Point, talked about it a couple weeks ago. Be a part of the puzzle. You're all part of the puzzle. And if a, a part's missing, it's not complete. Um, So he's a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He makes that clear off the bat. We never apologize no matter where we are, and I've been in all kinds of different settings where some people get upset. I never apologize to tell you in this setting, no matter where I may be, that Jesus Christ is still the only way, the only truth, the only life. And as Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no name given under heaven whereby we may be saved. Now, I know that that goes against the the grain of people out in our culture because they want to think that every road you take will give you salvation and lead you to some beautiful place called heaven or whatever your definition is of a paradise. That's a lie. Again, I unapologetically proclaim with James and all of you here that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is only one way. And when you have discovered that, you don't have to search anymore. And I've read enough stories of people who've searched in every philosophy, every religion, every cult. They've taken the drugs, the whole nine yards. When, when I was growing up in the 60s, how many of you grew up in the 60s? I mean, you were a teenager in the 60s. If you don't raise your hand, I can point you out. <laughs> and some of you were teenagers in the 50s. Okay. You know, in the 60s, LSD was one of the drugs of choice. And people claimed they were having religious experiences with LSD. And then Timothy Leary was out in the desert searching for a lot of people that died during that era of time, just like they died a day with drugs and stuff and searching. What, what a, a false thing, a lie from the devil. You don't have to be on drugs to find Jesus. In fact, if you are on drugs, he'll deliver you. He'll set you free. I'm so glad for uh, a ministry like Teen Challenge. And we have family from our church. You know Dan and Diane Ernest, their son, was delivered and set free at a Teen Challenge in Oklahoma. And he's on staff there right now. Drugs and alcohol weren't the answer. Jesus is the answer. He delivers. And uh, you continue that path apart from the Lord and all these things, it'll, it'll eventually take your life uh, and forever. So he's speaking to the 12 tribes that are scattered among the nations. And the reason they're scattered is because of persecution. So that goes right along what he's going to say about trials, because there were people who didn't want to hear about Jesus. You, you just go ahead and read through the whole book of Acts again. It's all there, Stephen's the first martyr, he's preaching truth, and it starts with religious leaders who didn't want to hear the truth, and they gather their mom, and they stone him to death, and it says the church was scattered. Well, that was God's plan, wasn't it? That we should be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, right? That's still God's plan. So James is addressing people that are scattered all over, and some of them are going through some fiery trials because there was a lot of serious persecution because they were Christians. And there still is today, by the way, in many countries of the world. And you ought to thank God again that you live in a free nation. I do. I thank God that I can freely worship. I can freely share good news with someone without being arrested for proselytizing. Okay? So we still have that freedom here. Many people don't have that. And they're persecuted, and they're still living for Jesus, no matter what comes their way. So he's speaking to people that are facing all kinds of persecutions, And he's speaking to people that are just dealing with the real issues of life, the real issues of life that we all deal with. Consider Consider it pure joy. Be happy. Be glad. Rejoice. My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Obviously, if you're working on building something... And you miss with the hammer and you hit the wrong nail, like your thumbnail or another finger. Your first reaction probably isn't, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It's like, Yow. that hurt. How many ever experienced that? If you haven't, you missed some great things in life. <laughs> it's just the stuff that happens. Um. We uh, we we know that some of the things that really tribulate us on the planet are weather patterns. Now it's pretty pretty funny to me because everybody has their <clears throat> perfect temperature. Now I know I know because I pastor in different churches. Some of you walked in this morning. You said, "Oh, it's cold in here," and you were smart because you brought a sweater. Someone else walked in and said, "Boy, it feels warm." And after Loretta was up here speaking for a while, she was feeling warm. Others of you are you like. It's just right. Right? Just right. When you step outside of church, most of you are going to go, how quick can I get to my car and start it and get in and turn the air off before I just melt in the heat and the humidity? So a couple weeks ago, Lynn and I had a chance to bless Stan and Diane Ernest and take some of their possessions out to Oklahoma, where they're now presently living, and move stuff out from New Jersey. And so we're in Oklahoma one day traveling with the pickup, and praise God, he protected us. <laughs> he kept it running. It was only 108 degrees. Because the temperature is right there on the dash or on the mirror. You know, your cars, they show you the temperature. But it's dry heat. Are you all with me? So, so next day or so, we're taking the U-Haul back, and I'm talking to the lady there. She says, how are you doing today? And she says, I'm okay, except for the humidity. And I'm like, humidity? I want to have you come to New Jersey. I said, humidity? I said, it's, it's dry here. She says, no. She said, I lived in Arizona. It was really dry there. So she said, when I sense a little humidity, it, it bothers me. I'm thinking, if it was 108 degrees and you were standing still outside with a shirt and shorts and sandals on, the water would be running off you like a waterfall at 108 in South Jersey. I'm not making that up, am I? In, on a humid day like today right or other days we have right kind of kind of funny to me that's a trial though isn't it see those things can really affect us the, the physical and the emotional affects us and sometimes it affects us well I don't feel like praising God today I'm so hot and sweaty I'm just feeling Ugh, beside myself um, stuff on the road of life can affect us all kind of trials happen to us in life things happen that we didn't plan James says we're considerate pure joy, that God is working in all that stuff to develop maturity in us. Your faith, the testing of your faith, develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. And Sometimes you're saying, it's okay, God, I don't want to be complete. Just take the trial away, it's all right. I'll I'll just be stunted in my spiritual growth. The trial's too hard. It's too fiery. And stuff happens in real life that we didn't plan. So my my question is, how do we respond? I have to admit that I haven't always responded right. There's times I've had to say, Lord, forgive me. That was a rotten attitude. And my wife would remind me, and I would remind her too, because it goes back and forth of dealing with real life. This little piece of pipe here represents a rusted brake line. You're not supposed to have problems when you drive your vehicle on a vacation, are you? Everybody's happy, we're going on vacation. Vehicle's all loaded up, we're going down to Tennessee. We pull off the highway somewhere in south of DC, Virginia, whatever, to get a bite to eat. we have our whole family, just about our whole family, kids, grandkids. And my daughter moves the truck from one location to another, and she says to me, Dad, the brake pedal went right to the floor. I'm like, oh boy, we're having fun now. So I got in the truck, and sure enough, went right to the floor. Now, here's the good news. It didn't happen when we were going 65 miles an hour on the highway. Hello? there's always good things that you can rejoice in about, right? Well, the bad news is we had to unload the truck, fill up my son's vehicle as much as we could, send all them, and my wife and I had to call a tow truck. I couldn't even drive it to the garage. I mean, it had no brake at all. And fortunately, good news, we had AAA. You ought to have AAA. If you never need it, hallelujah. But if you need it, it's good to have it. Save you a lot of money. And they fixed it. We had to come up with some money. I was like, hey, Lord, you see the whole situation. The thing rusted through from the chemicals they put on the road so we don't slide into a telephone pole. That's the other good news, right? So you've got to look at these things, right? If you look at everything from the negative side, you'll walk around pouting all your life. Coming home from Maine last summer, we have an old motor home. We took it up to visit Acadia National Park, a very beautiful park in America. And we wanted to do some ministry at the church, the Assembly of God Church, because my wife and I are both RVers in the Assemblies of God. We go to sites at times, and we donate time to help fix things up and so forth, and we plan to do more of that. And everything's fine until a tire blows. This is a piece of the tire in my hand. I couldn't bring the whole tire in this morning. It's been a little clumsy. It's nasty looking. There's metal sticking out and all kind of stuff. When you're driving 65 in a motorhome, you don't want to blow any tire, especially a front tire. Back tire is not a problem. There's three on each side on this thing. So you can blow one and you're not going to go off the road. When the front tire blows and you're going 65, you know what you're doing? Jesus, take the wheel. I am not kidding, man. We're just driving along. And by the way, this was a Michelin tire. It had real good tread on it. So you just never know, do you? That's the road of life. Stuff happens. Here, here's, here's some real good news. As it blows a tire and we're in the right lane, it's moving it right across to the left lane because that's where it's pulling it. There were no cars next to us. We're on a major highway, okay? No cars next to us. Thank you, Jesus. It hadn't started raining yet, so the road was dry. We had just come off a hill, so it was more flat. Any of you blown a tire driving you know what I'm talking about? And we finally got the thing stopped, thank you, Jesus. We didn't go off the side of the embankment, no accident. We had a spot that we could pull off the road with the motorhome because on some highways, it's just a little shoulder. When a motorhome, you need a little more space. And there was an exit coming on, and right there, there was a wider space called AAA. Here's another great thing. You know, some people are miserable. They hate what they're doing, but they're getting paid for it, so they come. This guy's so happy. Hey, how you doing? It's raining out now. It's no problem. He pulls his gun out, battery operated. I'm like, that's going to do the job. He says, if I set this high enough, he says, I can twist lug nuts and... Studs right off the tires. I'm like, wow, just battery operated. <laughs> Changes the tire. Good news, we had a spare with us. So many good things to rejoice about. But you got to look at the bright side of things, not just downside. And change some plans, but it's okay. We're still alive. So God God's worked for us to do, obviously. He spared our lives. No one said, and if they did, they lied to you. No one said on the road of life, as a believer you would not have trials, because they told you that, they lied to you. They lied to you. You won't find that in Scripture where it says, because you're a believer, everything is going to go your way. In fact, I want to look at two stories, but before I do, back to this passage of Scripture again. Perseverance must finish its work, so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. I love this passage of Scripture because so often through life, we don't know what to do. And sometimes we're tempted to listen to all the experts, or I'm going to call Aunt Martha. She knows everything, or I'm going to talk to my cousin Louie. You know, when we go through all this stuff, did we think first to say, Lord, what should I do in this situation? Whatever your situation may be, what, what should I do? Now, we've come through a period in, in America where, We we were dealing with COVID, and I think a lot of it was blown over. Yeah, we know there are people that got sick. There's people that died. And I said to people, and I've said this not just about COVID, but about other things. You know, doctors are people. They don't have halos on their head. They don't have wings and not floating above the ground. Sometimes we put so much faith in a doctor, and we want to do everything he says. They are limited. God's not. Now, I say that to say this. Before you go and have that surgery, or before you go and get that medicine, you ought to ask God if that's what he wants you to do. Can I get an amen? amen. And then you won't be belly aching later on. Well, I shouldn't have taken that medicine because it reacted with some other medicine I'm taking. Now I'm sicker than I was before. Or I shouldn't have had that surgery because I didn't recover from it. an infection came in. Now I go, you need to ask God. That's all I'm saying. Trials come in life. Physical trials come. Stuff with your cars are going to come. Stuff with your home. Who's the right builder to come and fix your home when you discover there's termites everywhere and they've eaten out a lot of your two-by-fours? Don't just call anybody. Ask God for wisdom. He'll show you the right person to come that will actually do the job right. Are, are you all with me? That I know not, l- numbers of you here have lived as many years as me and some have lived longer. So you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are still learning some things in life. This is an important passage of Scripture. When you're going through marital difficulties, don't be running for a divorce lawyer. Talk to God. The reason I say that is he's the one that made the family. He said it wasn't good for a man to be alone, and he made a woman. Are you with me? And then he told him to have kids. He knows all about families. He will help us if we ask him will we ask him I want to ask him I've asked him a number of times Lord help me to love this woman and she said many times Lord help me, to, help me to love this man if you're married don't even look at me like oh we never had any problems no, I don't want to hear that two flawed people get together and it's a miracle of God so they can be true to their vows they made. Because God's the foundation. He makes it happen. Without God, you're on your own. You're winging it, man. I just hope, hope it goes well for you. But with God, you've got a firm foundation. I'm, I'm saying it with all seriousness. We should ask God for wisdom, handling life's problems, whatever they may be. There are all kinds that come, many kinds, in the midst of all Can we be joyful? Can we know that God is still with us, even though it feels like the ceiling fell down? And I didn't plan this to happen, and why did you allow this to happen, God? Um, My sister gave me this book a few weeks ago, and I I think I read through it in two days. It's titled Harsh Grief, Gentle Hope. And she's asking us often, How are you doing, Keith? How are you doing, Linda? And uh, it's coming up in another two months, almost, where our our daughter died of cancer. I know there's some of you here that have lost a child. You've lost some mates, you've lost parents. So we're not alone in grieving. And she'll say, how are you doing? And here's a book that might help you. These are things that we don't want to hear. You don't want a phone call as a mother or father that your son, who is 30 years old, driving a taxi cab, was shot three times in the back of the head for no reason at all, and he is dead. No one wants that phone call. These people here were directors of the Navigators Ministry, a very excellent Christian discipleship ministry. when this book was written about 20 years ago. And she writes of the struggles in handling it, the reality of it all. And she'll write things of how she felt, and then she'll write how God spoke words to her to help her. This is real life, folks. This is real life. This is where we live. And so these words are good for us. They're always good for us. So i want to turn quickly to two people in Scripture. You know them both. The first one's Job. Book of Job, chapter 1, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. I want you to hear that definition again. He was blameless, upright, feared God, and shunned evil. So we're talking about very, very... Godly man. In fact, I think King James terms him the most perfect man on the planet at the time, okay? He had uh, seven sons, three daughters, owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Now, as I read that passage, I want you to understand that God's not against you having money. He's against you having the love of money. And if God has blessed you like Job here, is probably the most wealthiest man at his time. Use your money wisely to bless other people. Don't buy a bigger yacht because so-and-so has one. I gotta brag that I have a bigger one now. Don't waste your money. Use it wisely in the can- Amen? You can give more money to help with the funeral service. You can give more money to help right here with missions. There's all kinds of ways you can use what God's given you. So Job was blessed beyond measure. And so I'm reading. Very quickly, moving Had One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, verse 6 of Job 1. And Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered from roaming through the earth and going back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. I believe those conversations still take place. I believe there's conversations in the heavenlies that we don't see or understand. Where Satan comes to God and God and him are having a conversation. saying, hey, you see sister so-and-so? And the Salem family God church. See brother so-and-so there? And then Satan says, sure, I, I see him. Of course. Um, does God, does Job, Job fear God for nothing is Satan's response? You think that might be happening as he looks at your life? Hey, consider so-and-so? Boy, they're blameless upright. They love me. They're serving God. They're plugged into ministry. Of course they are. Look at how you bless them. Let me touch them. Let me just touch them. Let's see what's really in their heart. It's right here in Scripture. You have blessed the work of his hands, so his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? Stretch out your hand. And the Lord says to Satan, Bring it on. The battle begins. It's a contest being waged in the heavenlies. Very well, everything has is in your hands, but on the man himself, not lay a finger. Same goes out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing, the donkeys were grazing nearby, the Sabians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he's still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another... Do you realize how quickly this was happening? You can't even register in your mind what's taking place. And it's, just, it's just like a blur. One after another after another. It's recorded here. Fire of God fell from heaven burned up the sheep. Another messenger comes. The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties. Swept down your camels, carried them off, put the servants to sword. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he's still speaking, another one comes and says, Your sons and daughters... We're feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's home when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them, and they're dead, and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Really? Now this is a real story. This isn't made up. Some of you understand some of this story. I've never met anyone who's gone through the amount of trials that Job's gone through. I have met people that have gone through lots of trials. What would you do? Verse 20, At this Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground in worship. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I'll depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Wow, that's quite a statement, isn't it? It's not the end of the test. The angels come again. The Satan's there with him. Chapter 2. And uh, the Lord says, Where have you been? He said, I've been roaming two and four in the earth. And the Lord said, "Saying, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless, upright, a man who fears God. It's repeated again, shuns evil. Still maintains his integrity, though he incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Saint replied, "A man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, he will surely curse you your face. Very well, then he's in your hands, but spare his life." So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Job took a piece of broken pottery, scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, "Now picture yourself as a woman here, married to Job. You go from being a." Millionaire with a blessed family to nothing. Just picture how you'd be feeling before you're really hard with Job's wife. She says, You're still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this, Job did not sin, and what he said. This is a phenomenal story. I've looked at it numbers of times, not just the beginning, but the whole story. Where Job asks God all kinds of things, and God speaks to Job. So, the things that Job experienced material possessions, wealth, family, and his own health. I'm going to venture to say that everybody here has experienced some of those things at times in life. Was your money issues? Boss said, I don't need you anymore. A guy called my brother in Pittsburgh, and he was ready to kill himself. He was climbing the ladder of the Fortune 500. And they said, nice to know you. Here's your watch. Have a nice day. We don't need you anymore. His whole life was in his job and his possessions, and he was thinking to kill himself. I guess he saw Assembly God in the yellow pages back then, right on the top of the list and called. Touching your possessions? How about your children? All your children, not just one of them, all 10 at one time die. And then your health is taken and you're scraping boils with a piece of pottery. That's the story before us. How would you respond? Job came through with flying colors, with all the, all the stuff that was thrown at him, and we read the whole story. He held on to God, and it says in the end of, of Job, after Job had prayed for his friends who came to say things they should have kept quiet, the Lord made him prosperous again. And gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters, everyone had known him before, came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over the trouble the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons, three daughters, and names to them. And they were given an inheritance. And then he lived another 140 years. Job lived almost 200 years. But I want to back up to one phrase because... We're talking about in James about how we mature and grow in our trials if we keep a right attitude. And Job says in Job 42, verses uh, 5 and 6, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. No matter how godly he was, he wasn't done growing. And He said, I learned a lot through this trial. My eyes have seen you. I just didn't hear about you. I've seen you. I read all kinds of stories about different locations in America. There's something about being there, standing there at the Grand Canyon that takes your breath away. You're just like, wow, I heard about it. I saw pictures. I'm here. Being in Yellowstone National Park when the geyser goes off, all faithful in the hot springs. When you're there, Job was there in the midst of the heat and he learned more about God. Can we learn more about God in our trials? C.S. Lewis says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. He has a way of getting our attention when we're going through painful times. And then very quickly, moving from Job, and you ought to just read that, that whole story of Job because it really speaks to us. And by the way, it's apparent that God doesn't hold us to everything we say in our moment of emotional distress because I don't read anywhere that Job got another wife. Are you with me? They stayed together. God changed her heart. They had 10 more children. How would you like that, ladies? Woo! No, thank you. I'm just saying, if God held us to everything we said in moments of grieving and anger, where would we be? But he forgives us. He shows us mercy and grace. The story of, of Ruth and Naomi is another story you ought to read, and it's a great, great love story, too, what God does. But Ruth and her family... Uh, Naomi and her family leave... Ruth, chapter one. They leave her and her husband. They leave Bethlehem because of the time of famine. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife Naomi, and they had two sons. And uh, they travel to Moab and live there. And then Elimelech dies, and then later her two sons both die. So now she's left alone, are you with me? in a foreign land? And some of you read the story. But I bring these points out to you to say to you that when writer James writes what he writes. It's not like no one's ever experienced anything in life of bitter trials as believers in God. And it's not like they haven't come through them because there's people that have, and we have these stories of Ruth, Naomi, and, and Job. And so Naomi's coming back home. Picture yourself in a foreign land. You have no other family around you. Your husband died. Later on, your two sons died. You have 2 children daughter-in-laws. And they both are saying they're going to come with you. And she tells them, go home, go home, go home. And Ruth finally says, I'm not leaving no matter what. Your God's my God. Where you live, I'm going to live. I'm going to die where you die. And she's okay if you want to come along. I don't really have anything to offer you, but come along. And and it's just one of those great stories. But when she comes back into coming back to Bethlehem, she says down in verse uh, 13 of chapter 1, Would you remain unmarried if I I even had some sons grow up? No, you wouldn't. No, my daughters. She said, it is more bitter for me than you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Do you ever felt like that as a believer? You're such a God of love. Why did all this stuff happen? You know, it's okay to ask God questions. He's not sitting up like, oh, my goodness, they're asking questions. How do I answer them? You can ask God. Just keep your heart moving toward God. Okay? And Naomi was at a critical place. She comes back, and later on there in that chapter, they come to Bethlehem and they arrive in Bethlehem, and the whole town stirred because of them, and the women exclaim, Can this be Naomi? Down to verse twenty of chapter one, she says, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Wow, what a statement. Her name, Naomi, actually means God is sweet or pleasant. But once she went through, she felt that God had dealt her a bad hand. I've heard people use that phrase. I just got dealt a bad hand in life. It's not fair. It's not just. Well, life isn't always fair and just, is it? One day it'll all be fair and just we're in heaven. Down here it's not. We're going to deal with stuff. But Naomi's on the, on the bitter side. She says it, right? I'm not making it up. She says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Just call me Mar. i I'm, I'm bitter over what God took away from me. It's not the end of the story. We know it's not the end of the story. And we get toward the end of the story where Ruth and Boaz get together, and they get married, and a baby's born. By the way, what was um, Boaz? before he met Ruth? He was ruthless. Ruthless. Ruth, oh, some of you, okay. I'm almost done, I know it, it's, it's noontime here and you're like, oh my goodness. He was an older man marrying a younger woman, wow. He got blessed. And then they have a son, Obed, who's in the family line of Jesus. I mean, this is all so cool. God brings a father, a Moab woman, into the picture. She's in the lineage of Jesus. See, God loves everybody. Go ahead, read it. It's all right here. It's all recorded in Scripture. In fact, it's right here in in Ruth at the end of of the lineage. The woman said to Naomi after Ruth and Boaz gave birth to a son, the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer, may he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. How many know that grandkids are a blessing from God? I I don't want you to give up. I don't know where you are in the journey. God's got a surprise for you. Naomi couldn't see anything good happening. Now she's holding a little baby and rejoicing in the Lord for his goodness to her even when she was feeling so miserable and forsaken by God and afflicted by God, God shows up and surprises her and blesses her with a little grandson. Isn't that awesome? I think one of the Psalms we sang was, he's not done yet. Am I right? God's not done yet. He's not done right in your story. So I don't care what phase you're in. I just want to encourage you, as I encourage myself and my wife and our family, you just need to rejoice in the Lord. Knowing that God is working all things together for our good, even though things don't look very good at all. And knowing that at at the end of that verse in James, blessed is the person that perseveres through the trials of life. Blessed is that person. Hold firm to God. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. When he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God's promised to those who love him. I have met some bitter people that were ex-believers. And I'm thinking, you're walking away. What where, where, where are you walking to? What is your hope in now? You've got, you got nothing going for you. The Lord has promised a heaven for everything where everything is perfect in every way. And you're giving up because something happened that, that you didn't like. And you're getting bitter. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you. God still loves you right where you are and what's happening in your life. He's not done with you. And heaven is going to be awesome beyond what we can imagine. Hold on to Jesus. You've heard this story, and I I close with this. A woman told her, Pastor, some of you heard this story, but told her, Pastor, when you have my funeral service, I want you to put a, fork in my hand in the casket. How many heard this story? A couple of you have, so I love it. I love this. I don't know if it actually happened, but I could picture it. And when people walk by the casket and they see me lying there and I have a fork in my hand, and they say to you, say to you Pastor, what, what's the fork in her hand? You tell them, I'll tell you later on. And then you tell them, she said, because every time we had a, a meal at the church, You know the problem with meals that our churches are and everybody brings their specialty? There is so much good food. I like, I want to have something with everything. And I can't because I know, you know, I don't want to be a glutton and it'll make me sick. But you women in our churches, man, a lot of the stuff you cook and the desserts, oh my goodness. But you tell them that every time we had a church social, potluck dinner, whatever you want to call it, they'd always say, hold on to your fork. And I knew the best was yet to come. All those good desserts on that dessert table. I walked over to the dessert table. We had two funerals this week at 1st AG. I walked over to the dessert table. And my wife was with me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Look at all this good stuff. It's like, so I just like took a little bit of some of it. I didn't even go back for seconds. I didn't want anyone to accuse me of being a glutton. You know, but there's so much good stuff there. The best is yet to come. You need to hold on to Jesus. I don't care what the fiery trial you're going through. Rejoice in the Lord for his goodness. Consider the good things that are happening in your life, not just all the bad junk. Don't let Satan lie to you. It's not over yet. God is still on his throne. He's still working. And there's a crown of life for those who hold on to Jesus. No one that's in heaven regrets holding on to Jesus. Stephen, when he was stoned, he saw the Lord ready to receive him. They just ushered him heaven sooner. He didn't live to be an old man. He died a young man. He's in glory. He won. All those people were losing that were stoning him, and hopefully some of them came to faith in Jesus like Saul did later on. who was there. Came Paul. So you hold on to the Lord. I don't care what people tell you. I don't care what Satan's lying to you. I don't care none of that stuff. God's not done working. You rejoice in the Lord. Hold on to Jesus. Let him have his work. And here's what you're going to discover The trial you went through, you're going to meet someone else who went through a very similar trial. And God's going to use you to help them. And you can say to them, I do understand more than you think. I do understand. Dave Reaver had half his face blown off in Vietnam. Some of you heard him speak. You've seen his videos, his gift of humor. He held on to Jesus. You know what? God has given Dave Reaver open doors to speak to Vietnam veterans, and they will listen to Dave because he was there. He had half his face blown off. He understands, but he's pointing them to Jesus, the one who can help them in every situation of life. Are you with me? God will use you to bless other people if you hold on to Jesus, and he'll restore, and he'll return to you like he did to Ruth, and and like he did to Job and his wife. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day you've given us. Wow, the time goes so very, very quickly. We pray for Pastor Brian and Paul and their family. Continue to bless them, and during this sabbatical time, Lord, just refresh and encourage and strengthen and speak words of wisdom. Bless this church, Lord. This church has been here and blessed so many people throughout the years. Bless each member of this church, everyone that attends this church, Lord. You know us by name. You know our needs. You're able to help us. We want to hold on to you. We ask for wisdom, Lord, in the trials of life. We're not going to get proud and haughty because we have a certain amount of money. That can be gone tomorrow. And we're not going to be miserable and begging because we're poor. We're going to thank you for what we have. We're going to be content in all situations. That's all in this passage of Scripture. And we're going to rejoice in your goodness to us. And we're going to keep sharing the good news no matter what is happening for often people look at us and say, yeah, you Christians, you, you talk a good line, but wait until you go through these fiery trials. Then we'll see what you're talking. And when they see us going through the fiery t- trials, still holding on to you, Jesus, and still speaking words of hope, it speaks to them that what we have is real. It's not artificial. Really it's real. And it's based on a real relationship with you, our Savior and Lord. So we thank you again for your word. Speak to us again this day and every day, and may we be found serving you and sharing good news, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for letting us come today. God bless and go with you and make you a blessing.